Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only pod that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Welcome to episode 156. Coming up on this week's show, USA's Olympic pursuits finally find a home. Villa supporters come out of the woodwork. NBC and Sky find new ways to work together. Good news for Samsung smart TV owners. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined alongside, as always, my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Now, if you haven't uh, listened to this show before, we talk about the commentators, the production value, the latest television developments that are changing the way that you and I watch soccer, as well as which are the best streaming uh, services to watch the beautiful game and much more. So let's dive in. And Kartik, uh, from this past week, what was your favorite match? Uh, that's a good question because I, I didn't see uh, that much football. What would be my favorite match? Probably, I mean, maybe it was the Tranmere uh, uh, beating Watford in the uh, in in the midweek uh, uh, replay, uh, or, or it was uh, it must have been? Uh, it, I guess it was the uh, <laughs> uh, the the uh, Brentford uh, Leicester game because Brentford were so good for a long period of time. Uh, obviously, I could say the the Dortmund Cologne game because of Holland, but uh, yeah, I didn't see really a game that stood out this week. If I'm honest with you, well, now, I did not see Liverpool Shrewsbury, so that <laughs> seems to be the game everyone is talking about. Well, uh, I did not see that match and did not even. Uh, Chris, I, I have to admit this: this is this might damage my credibility significantly. I was so convinced what the result would be, I forgot to check the score for another four or five hours. And found out late in the evening on uh, Sunday that Shrewsbury had earned a replay. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one, though, Kantik. Up until, I think, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, I was thinking to myself, okay, the pod's coming up in a couple of days. And I'm thinking, I haven't seen a match that I really, really loved. Uh, most of the matches had been really straightforward or pretty you know, cut and dry over in the first half. Not a lot of excitement, not, not a lot of uh, spectacular football. But then again, it was an FA Cup weekend. And for the most part, I mean, even going into the FA Cup weekend, we talked about you know, how, how predictable these things are at this stage. 
where the, the predicament of the FA Cup that, that that's in, where I mean, you have not just the Premier League t- uh, teams uh, fielding weaker sides, but also the Championship sides field, fielding weaker sides. You mentioned Brentford against Leicester. Brentford didn't field the first team. They had several players on there that uh, were basically reserves or squad players. So Brentford focusing on trying to get promoted to the Premier League and then Leicester you know, putting up a, a good side. But the... The, and the Shrewsbury-Liverpool match, that was one. Actually, Sunday I was busy. So at the Sunday, I had a good excuse. I was away. I think with my, my parents were in town. But that was a match I would have had on in the background, but I wasn't really excited about it. Although, on paper, yes. In a typical FA Cup weekend, yes. That would be a game to look forward to, to get excited about. But with the, the FA Cup the way it is, I mean, it's hard to get excited about the games now because... You don't know which teams are going to field. I mean, the full full side. At this point, you don't know uh, if the Premier League uh, coach is even going to show up and, and coach the team. I mean, it's gotten to such a poor state of things that um, it's a sad re- uh, indictment or a reflection of what the FA Cup has become. So, for me, Kartik, uh, in terms of the match, I, I uh, loved and really enjoyed. Uh, going into Tuesday morning, there wasn't one, but Tuesday afternoon, it, it was uh, Aston Villa against Leicester in the uh, Carabao or League Cup uh, semi-final second leg. And this one was a really joy to watch because for a few different reasons, you had Aston Villa and Leicester, full, full squads. Uh, the atmosphere in the ground was fantastic, both from the home fans and the away fans, and both teams going at it from minute one, really, really getting into this game, just trying to do everything possible to to win it in order to go to, to advance to the, um, the the League Cup final. And um, Aston Villa put in a fantastic performance. Jack Grealish especially had a, some really nice touches, including an assist for, for the goal. And I was happy that it was Aston Villa that went through. Um, nothing against Leicester. I mean, Leicester's had uh, a trophy recently, but it was really, really good to see Aston Villa go through. They might get thrashed in the final against uh, Manchester City, but um, I enjoyed it. It was a really good game and a really good example of what uh, the League Cup can be and what the FA Cup should be. But the FA Cup is is nowhere near that level. Kartik, what about the uh, the Bundesliga? Because, I mean, the FA Cup to me was really a dud all weekend yeah. long. Um, I don't think there was anything that stood out FA Cup-wise. Um, I'll, I'll tell you how much of a dud it was. Uh, I was on TalkSport Saturday night, our time, early Sunday morning, UK time, to talk to review the uh, fourth-round matches. And the host says to me, well, these matches were pretty much uh, duds or, or some sort of similar term. Let's talk about the matches tomorrow. I mean, that's how, even in the UK, uh, the, the, the review went of the fourth round, the Saturday fourth round. And that's why, I mean, I pulled the brentford Leicester match out because – that was the only match I could remember where Brentford played really well for large portions of the match with a B team because they, uh, they're sitting right now just a few points out of automatic promotion. And uh, Brentford, if you haven't followed them, have had a lot of players uh, come and go and a manager, Dean Smith just talked about it at Villa, uh, and uh, have done a fantastic job of scouting, they will not be able to keep this team together if they're not promoted this year. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that they know that this is their last shot to go up uh, with this set of players, and they're not risking it by having a long cup run. Which, the, again, just reminds us what the FA Cup has become. The irony with all of this is that the FA Cup coverage is is the best it's ever been. 
We've got every single game streamed live to viewers across the United States. In the past, we would have had maybe, say, three or four games uh, over the weekend. And, and as, as years would go by, maybe four or five, it would increase a little bit, little bit, little by little. Now we've got everything and the games are, they're not meaningless, but they're just in terms of the, I mean, even the atmospheres and the grounds in terms of the, the numbers of people showing up, the small attendances for the most part. Uh, I did enjoy Bournemouth against Arsenal um, just because Bournemouth put in a, a late goal in this game and they still lost the, the match. Uh, there was a little bit of excitement there, but um, overall, just um, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's bad timing for the FA, bad timing for ESPN Plus to, to get the rights. And I'm, I'm sure that the viewing numbers, we don't know what those are because it's ES, ESPN Plus and they don't publish those numbers. But I'm sure those numbers are, are dwindling, getting smaller and smaller. Hey. I'll tell you something else that's going to work against the FA Cup is that now because of the Premier League winter break, they have moved the fifth round to being a set of midweek fixtures, yep. which makes it not very different than the League Cup, quite frankly. And right. it's not co- it's coming at a time, unlike the League Cup, where uh, teams are really sweaty about their league position, whether they be Premier League, Championship, or League One teams. So uh, I... I, I, I want to stress this again because i've made a point about this on twitter repeatedly in the last few weeks it is not just top premier league sides that that rotate their players in fact i think the top premier league sides liverpool being an exception probably play more of their regulars than the rest of the premier league and most of the championship in this competition uh well i mean you saw it with swansea swansea uh, in this competition this year uh rolled out of i don't know was a team trying to get eliminated is what how i would read it and then uh we Say the same thing for Brentford, say the same thing for Nottingham Forest. And those are the teams that are most closely pushing uh, the top two to try and get into uh, automatic promotion spots from the championship. So uh, it, it is actually now a situation where a lot of lower division teams, unless you are uh, a, a team further down uh, the table uh, and you're safe, don't want to have a long cup run. Even Carl Robinson this week, who's managing Oxford, didn't seem thrilled that he's get that he's getting a replay, even though he his team played heroically at St James Park. That's what the FA Cups become. Well, unfortunately, just just one more example, Kartik, is that uh, in the Championship, there's a team. Anyway, we we know the team, Reading. Reading are fifteenth, fifteenth in the Championship for their FA Cup match this past weekend against Cardiff. They fielded and they changed every single player on the pitch. So they they put in eleven new players onto that uh, onto that pitch that hadn't played in the, pre- the game previously in the league. So even Reading, who are like you mean bottom half of the table in the Championship have no regard for the FA Cup. And and to yeah. me and to me with, with Klopp saying that for the um the replay Shrewsbury against Liverpool and that he's not going to coach it's going to be I think Neil Shipley I think it is uh going in to to actually um coach this m- match. It, it's ridiculous. I mean it, I mean how many more slaps in the face face could the FA Cup get? I mean it really really has reached a new low. And and I love the tournament. I love the concept. Um, yes, uh, there are some things we can tweak, but in terms of the viewing experience, I mean, the entertainment level was at, at a low. And, and again, too, there's not that many non-league teams in this. I mean, it's it's, and even the, the teams in the lower divisions of the football league, I mean, you mean they don't for the for the most part they they're not really kind of uh, treating this too with a lot of respect. All right, Kartik, what yeah, about as I what are, Oxford United yeah. got a great result, and they got they're the kind of bothered by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what, what I mean, 
maybe something a little bit positive, more positive for you, Kartik. What about the Bundesliga? Um, I caught a couple of games over the weekend, but what for you stood out with the Bundesliga? And and also and also too, I mean, who do you think is going to win this title? I mean, is, there's a title race with the top four teams. I mean, fourth uh, is separated from first by just four points. Yeah, so Frankfurt RB Leipzig was a was a big match this weekend. Uh, Keith Costigan and Warren Barton did a fantastic job. You know, I'm going to miss those two. Yeah. I can't believe uh, I've always liked Keith Costigan, but a few years ago I used to be, and you 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 as well, Chris, a big critic of Warren Barton. He's really grown into. I think maybe the co-commentator role suits him better than yeah. uh, the studio role, and he's become uh, kind of the definitive co-commentator on Bundesliga coverage. Uh, Fox, to their credit, went all in. On this matchup with uh, a studio of Ian Joy, Alexi Lawless, and Stu Holden, that's probably the best uh, Bundesliga studio team they can put together. Uh, and then uh, Costigan and, and Barton, Leipzig had so many chances. They tried to. They they they, they just. It was one of those games where you knew they were going to lose because they just nothing would 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 go for them. They're still in the lead, but now uh, Bayern has closed the gap. Schalke is still hanging around, even though uh, they, they got beat by Bayern this weekend. Mucha Gladbach, you mentioned, and uh, Dortmund. The big question in this race now is, does Haaland make that much of a difference that Dortmund win the title? Um, I don't know yet. It wasn't that goal scoring was Dortmund's problem. It's defending. But if they're going to score four or five or six ma- goals a match, which at this point, when you're talking about a team with Haaland, Jaden Sancho, Marco Royce, if he's fit, Paco Alcazar, mm-hmm. uh, on and on and on. Yeah, they could score four or five goals a game. It could be like uh, Liverpool who are unplayable in the Premier League. So is it and Liverpool haven't kept as many clean sheets as maybe you would think a team that's on pace to get 105 points or whatever they're on pace to get 108 points would, would have kept. So maybe Dortmund can win this. Um, I still think because of um, how strong um, the, uh, the, 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 the midfield depth is for Leipzig, that they're probably the, the team to beat. And just because Nagelsmann's the best manager, uh, one of the best managers in the world, in my opinion. But uh, Bayern, of course, you can never sleep on. They've won however many titles in a row. And, and they're beginning to come out of their wobble. And then Dortmund's got Haaland. So I think it'll be one of those three. Uh, if, I had to, if I had to make a pick in spite of this match uh, that I've just talked about on uh, Saturday, I still think Leipzig hangs on. That's, that's my opinion this week. It might change mm-hmm. next week. Yeah, for me, it's it's still Bayern Munich. I mean, I, I hope it's not. I mean, no, no offense, Bayern Munich fans, but uh, it would be great to see another team uh, win this one to make it more interesting for next season. But it, it, I mean, just I mean, last week and the week before, Bayern Munich is just really steamrolling over the competition. I mean, really comfortable victories. Um, I mean, they're scoring for fun. Dortmund scoring for fun too. I mean, especially with Haaland. But with Haaland, it, it's so hard to tell because the te- the two teams that they've played against. Um, and he scored all those goals. Have been really weak teams. I mean, Cologne looked really um, poor. Yeah. I thought um, last Friday. Uh, Haaland walks on the pitch, has nine touches of the ball, and scores two goals. But um, yeah, a great player. But I, I'd like to see Dortmund tested against a big club, and and then we see um, how that Haaland effect uh, ha- happens or not. I mean, I mean, the one thing too about Dortmund against Cologne. I watched this one on Friday on FS2. You mentioned with the Frankfurt uh, Leipzig game and just the FS1, and, and they went all out. 
another example, again, yet again, FS2, they go, I mean, it's zero effort. It's almost as if they say, okay, let's go ahead and start the feed at, I don't know, 2.20, whatever it is, Eastern time. And as soon as, uh, you mean, 4.30 Eastern time, let's just stop it. But we have no, no, no influence, no control over anything. I mean, it's so bad, Kartik, that uh, if you catch the match late, I mean, you join the game uh, mid-progress, either in the first half or the second half, there's no half-time highlights. There's no full-time highlights. Nothing. It's just basically just a, a Bundesliga promo reel, a half-time, and that full-time, and that's it. It's it's almost like I mean they've got the VCR set up. I mean they hit play, and off it goes. And yeah, they show the live coverage of the game, but there's absolutely zero effort being put by in by Fox Sports. I'm wondering, I mean, every single season, usually towards the end, usually in March, maybe not March, but I think it's maybe it's maybe maybe it's April or February, maybe maybe it's now, maybe it's February. There's usually a couple of the games that we see on Big Fox. I haven't heard anything, any news about that happening. Maybe it will happen and they'll spring a surprise, but uh, then they'll go all out again. But it, it's just so frustrating, just the, the on again, off again. And, and we know what it is. It's just if it's on FS2, zero effort. If it's on FS1, go all out. I mean, it, it just, it's, it, it's ridiculous. Right. And, and the numbers, I mean, ESPN, the, the thing that makes ESPN so. Uh, amazing in how they cover not just this sport but every sport is if a match is on the SEC net or you know a uh, a football game a basketball game is on the SEC network or the ECC network the look and feel is just like as if it was on big ESPN the production value is the same maybe there aren't as many cameras in use but it, it's not that that different the, the the graphics are the same the studio is basically the same um, maybe some of the studio talent changes but uh, Fox I don't know if they do this in other sports. If there's this FS1, FS2 drop-off uh, right away from, uh, um, from, from in other sports as well, but in, in, uh, in our sports, certainly they, they treat FS1 like it's okay. It's like big ESPN uh, or, or, or even an over-the-air broadcast. And FS2 like it's a public access channel. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable <laughs> when – Chris, there's only like 20 million homes in this country that have FS1 and don't have FS2. It's not like FS2 isn't only in 20 million or 30 million homes. Or mm-hmm. It's not like it's in as few homes as BN. Yeah. I mean, it's in yeah. a lot of homes now. It, so I don't understand it at all. It's, it, it's a head scratcher because uh, I mean, FS2 gets a bad rap, but FS2 is in more homes than BN Sports. And uh, I mean, FS2, I mean, it's almost treated like, like a redheaded uh, stepchild or, I mean, it's almost as if they have no budget and they say, okay, if it's on FS2, just forget about it. The, the numbers are going to be so poor. But it's a chicken and egg situation, too, because, yes, the numbers are poor. But is that a reflection of, I mean, just the half-assed uh, production uh, of that actual game or whatever it is that's on um they just don't seem to care uh, it's 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 so it's so frustrating the one thing about the fa cup kartik from this past weekend was that um we do get a chance to listen to some commentators that we usually don't get to hear that often uh the brentford leicester game was uh nigel adderley and um and then i think it was the actually this was the caribou cup but the league cup aston villa against leicester city this was uh steve wilson from uh, BBC Match of the Day and uh, Danny Weber, I believe it was, and uh, so that, that that's a little bit different. In the Man City Man United game, I, I enjoyed watching this game. Uh, Gary Taphouse and Stuart Robson. Uh, the more the game evolved, it became more and more absorbing. 
and um, City really wasting a couple of clear clear chances to put this game away early. Um, but ESPN had a had a crew in the studio that did the pre match, halftime, and post match analysis, um, and and that's a good sign because I mean with the League Cup. And and hopefully they'll do the same maybe with the latter rounds of the FA Cup. Having a studio presence makes a huge difference in terms of encouraging people to tune in early. I mean, listen to the commentary, listen to the analysis and I mean the banter back and forth. But um, it makes the tournament feel more important. And, and it is an important tournament. I mean, especially the latter stages of the League Cup. Um, I always find them very, very entertaining. And having the games too at... Um, at you know, Villa Park or at the stadiums rather than at Wembley makes a huge difference. I mean, the atmosphere at Villa Park was a million times better than it would have been at Wembley for the FA Cup, I mean, a similar stage of, of the tournament. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one. All right, Kartik, uh, speaking of Fox, big news here, TV streaming news. Yeah, after a lot of doubt about what was happening with CONCACAF, uh, Chris, not only did CONCACAF get the Women's Olympic Tournament on, FS2 ironically enough, uh, for at least the the first night, but uh, get the Olympic Women's Tournament on, which there was a lot of concern over the weekend. If you followed uh, some of the the prominent journalists on Twitter, that maybe uh, there was going to be no TV deal and and CONCACAF had to do something. Not only did they get the Olympic qualifiers on Fox, but now they've got the CONCACAF Champions League as well in a multi-year deal which will cover the men's and women's Olympic soccer qualifiers and the CONCACAF Champions League for multiple years. So uh, Fox, is it a sign Fox is getting back into the soccer business? Maybe not, but it was, I think, uh, uh, a bit, still a bit of a surprise that, that they went all in, at least for the next few years, on CONCACAF. Of course, there's the U.S. angle, and maybe that ties them uh, to MLS, or at least trying to keep MLS rights in the next contract cycle as well. Yeah, I, I mean, this is typical CONCACAF last minute. You mean a couple of days before the actual qualifiers begin and there's no TV. <laughs> there's no no one that has the TV rights to this one. So a last minute uh, decision was made and, and Fox came in to rescue uh, these qualifiers for the Olympics for both the men and the women. Like you said, Kartik, with um, FS2 having some of the games, uh, Fox Soccer Plus has the game on Friday night with uh, Panama against uh, the U.S. women's national team um, and so on and so forth. I, th- I think there are actually a couple of games on FS1 in the latter r- rounds of the qualification process for the the Olympics uh, on the women's side. But 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 to me, Kartik, the, the story behind this one really... Well, the, I guess there's two stories. One is, th- is that um, we know that these games are not going to, going to generate a lot of... Um, viewing audience. I don't, I don't, yes, there's interest in the U.S. women's national team for sure, um, more so than the U.S. men's national team in terms of qualifying for the Olympics. There is interest, no doubt, but there's not massive amounts of interest. And at the same time, too, there's there's a lot of um, competition. I mean, if you're FS1, you've got uh, a lot of other sports going on at the same time. Uh, same thing with NBC, and I mean, you go, th- go go down the networks, uh, the major networks, ESPN. Uh, they've got other programming on at the same time, so it's I mean difficult to actually find a time slot where we can put this in and um, get large viewership when we know that the viewership is not going to be that big. But the the big thing out, out of this Kartik really to me is that, um, and and the, the part of the story that really hasn't been mentioned much is the Gold Cup. 
is that Fox Sports doing this deal with CONCACAF to get the men and women's Olympic qualifiers and, and also the CONCACAF Champions League does include the Gold Cups for 2021 and 2023. And, and that's the big news. Um, but, but going into whether, I mean, Fox has the rights to both the men's World Cup and the women's World Cup, it's important that... Uh, the women and the men are on television as much as possible. So um, if no one else is going to pick up the rights and the phone call is made to say to Fox, hey, I mean, you guys have the rights to the FIFA events. Um, I think it's important that you guys have the the, um, the rights to the CONCACAF events. We'll throw in the Gold Cup uh, in 2021 and 2023. What do you think? And and F, you know, Fox, I'm sure in terms of, you know, Fox Soccer Plus, which is hardly used, FS2, which they put zero effort in. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Now, how much money this was for? Ah, uh, I wouldn't think it'd be much money, Kartik. What do you think? Yeah, I. Uh, they, this last minute thing is what they do, so it couldn't be for very much money. It was a, a deal that was probably rushed. Remember last year, or was it the year before that they they did the deal with Yahoo at the last minute? And one year, I want to say, uh, Concacaf Champions League ended up on Go Ninety, which was a, yep. a, a Verizon FiOS app. So and it always you you never find out until the end. So I, I think maybe I mean who knows if, if there was even a rights fee here? Um, maybe because it's a multi-year deal there was, or perhaps they had agreed in principle a while ago and and, and getting it across the line took until the last minute. I don't know, but I, I can't I can't imagine it was very much money. And, and then just one more thing to add before we move on to the next news item, and that is on the Spanish language side, uh, Tudo Ene picked up the rights to the CONCACAF Champions League and the uh, men's and women's uh, Olympic qualifiers. Next up, Kartik, in terms of the news, uh, Bein Sports Extra, which is their free channel uh, that they've recently launched on the Roku, as well as um, some over-the-air channels nationwide in, in select cities, uh, is now available on Samsung uh, TV Plus. Now, if you own a Samsung TV, a smart TV, which which I do, so I, I went ahead and checked this out. Um, there is a there's free channels. There's a whole bunch of free channels you can watch. I mean, all sorts of different. I mean, I mean, it's not it's, it's not going to be your HBOs or Showtimes, but there's a ton of different channels that they they offer, including there's a, a Fubo Sp- Sports Network, which has some original programming. Um, and now with Samsung TV Plus, what they have is Bein Sports Extra, which has some of the best of uh, Bein Sports from different sports from around the world. Uh, will not have Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Atleti games, uh, but it does have some exclusives. It does have uh, usually one La Li- one or two La Liga games exclusive to Bein Sports Extra, and it same same thing too for uh, Liga. So anyway, if you have a Samsung TV, smart TV, I think it's the 2016 uh, versions and to present, check it out and uh, being Sports Extra is, is free there and requires uh, no authentication. And can't take one last news item. This one doesn't have anything to do with soccer, but it does in, in a way and it does possibly point some clues uh, in terms of the future and maybe what, what we can see more of. Yeah, so um, there's this. We, we've talked a lot about the collaboration, right, between Sky and uh, and Comcast NBC since Comcast bought Sky uh, in uh, 
about a year and a half ago now it's been uh, Comcast, NBC and Sky, Comcast, NBC and Sky will attempt to overturn three decades of CNN preeminence in international television news, jointly launching a new channel in a rare commercial bet on the pro- profit thin global news business. Uh, NBC Sky World News, is, it's going to be called, is uh, a bid to win the news service uh, long elusive international recognition and will mark Comcast's first efforts to unite its transatlantic brand since its acquisition of uh, UK-based uh, Sky in 2018. The other competition also would be BBC World. Uh, Sky News, by the way, is available in the United States if you have Roku or Apple TV or, or, or uh, Amazon Fire. So uh, maybe that, that, that brand is now more recognized in the U.S. than it used to be. And globally, they will be making a play to compete with, uh, with, with uh, uh, CNN, which is uh, quite a gamble. Yeah, and and Sky News too, which which is very very good, is on also on YouTube streams twenty four seven. So th- this points at least hints that uh, NBC and Sky that we could be seeing them work more and more together. Um, I could envision if they well, when they do launch this NBC Sky World News, which is an awful name, but if when they do launch it, is perhaps they'll have more soccer coverage on there, or they'll have soccer coverage on there. And um, I mean, NBC has the rights in the US. Uh, Sky has the rights in the UK. Uh, we could be seeing, you mean, Arlo White or the two Robbies or some of the Sky Sports news uh, people uh, appearing on this news channel to provide some, you mean, some some stories or some analysis about some some uh, breaking news that ha- happens on a global scale that you mean that is of interest to to uh, globally. Um, but again, it's another example of of Comcast who owns uh, now owns NBC and Sky working more closely together and just trying to encourage these teams to, sh- to kind of share their uh, or share their expertise. You, you get a, a lot of Premier League news, by the way, on BBC World and on CNN International. So it would fit in uh, to, yeah. the, to, to the uh, thing. Now, the question is, would they use the NBC people, uh, the Robbie Earls, Robbie Mustos, the Kyle Martinos, or would they use the Sky Sports people? That's TBD, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one to watch out for, and um, I don't think there's a, a launch date yet for this one, but um, yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens. TV ratings uh, from this past weekend with the FA Cup on and uh, those games on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we don't have those numbers, but we will have some of those uh, other numbers for the other games uh, probably next week on um, worldsoccertalk.com. So let's move on to the list of mailbag. And uh, first up is uh, Leonid. He says, uh, great, great discussion about supporting local clubs and Major League Soccer fans. I came to this country from far away, but I know the soccer landscape of the state better than the so-called fans who were bo- born here. Why am, I, why, am, why am I the first to go to a local team match? I don't want to blame anyone. I just didn't hear discussions about this topic. I want to say thank you for that. So Kartik, I think at the end there too, kind of giving, giving you some praise uh, for having this discussion. And, and actually, I think this came from one of the, the other listeners uh, sending in a, a comment about um, MLS fans, but, but this could, could go to Premier League fans too, where you mean, or fans of any, any league or club um, having a lot of knowledge about those teams or those leagues, um, but not going to their local team. Kartik? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, this is a problem in American 
culture as we think about leagues, right? I, I pointed this out over and over again, where you've got these, uh, and it comes from the the college sports culture, right? Oh, we're SEC fans, we're ACC fans, or whatever. That American fans seem to be champions of leagues, and then they block out everything else beyond that league. So the MLS culture and the culture of American Premier League fans, I think, is reflective of just kind of the American sporting culture, not really exploring uh, that there are lo- that there's local soccer in their neighborhoods, in other leagues, uh, or, or and and things that they can watch live uh, and and really kind of bond with. So I think that there's a, there's a real, I I mean I I think it's just an American cultural thing. I, I'd be curious to hear from our listeners if this is a problem uh, in Europe where people are champions of of leagues and there there are more league fans than individual club fans because that that's the way I feel about a lot of fans in this country. Yeah, overseas, I wouldn't think so. I, I mean, overseas, to me, it's more about uh, supporters of a club. And, and the league, there's, oftentimes there's a lot of disdain for that league. I mean, the Premier League is a good example where, you know, I mean, in terms of the credibility, if you say pr- uh, Premier League, most people would say, you mean, ah, you mean they always keep on changing the uh, kickoff times and, you mean, in terms of yeah. making it more difficult to travel and, and not having very much... Um, you mean kind of um, time or, or understanding for the fans, but but that person might be you mean just defiant about you mean the love and support and loyalty of, to the club, but um, yeah, stateside it does seem to be more league focused um, in terms of you mean I, I support or I follow this league, and and maybe that becomes because maybe maybe it's because of the NFL and the NBA. Um, those big brands, like the leagues, have such big brands in the United States and, gl- and globally that people are kind of attracted to the league as a whole, which um, which helps with TV ratings. I mean, if, even if you're a, you know, a Cowboys fan, you might be interested in watching some of the other teams. Um, but yeah, they, w- yeah, we'd love to hear from you, the listeners, if you have any feedback on this or in, any input. Richie says uh, the podcast didn't really address uh, recently whether Peacock from NBC would have on-demand programming, uh, Gold Rush, or classic matches. At the very least, having on-demand would probably make NBC Sports Gold obsolete for many. These are the questions that most of us are looking to have answered by August, and granted, we have plenty of time for that. So, yep, yep, Richie, definitely um, lots of uh, questions to be asked, lots of answers to be given. But uh, it's still early, early days, and when we reported about uh, Peacock last week, um, just preliminary information, really, at this point. What I, what I do know, though, is that um, for the non-tele... Well, for the, so the Peacock free, or free Peacock, uh, for, for that level, uh, it talks about um, having some access the day after to uh, on-demand uh, programming, um, I've verified and checked on this, but there will be no Premier League matches available the next day uh, on the Peacock free. Um, so, I mean, if you're thinking, okay, I mean, Liverpool against Man United is on on the uh, the Saturday on NBC Sports Gold and available on Peacock Premium, hoping that maybe on the Sunday it'll be available to watch there uh, on the free Peacock. Um, that that's a no to that one. Next up is Aram. Aram says, uh, on last week's pod, Christopher brought up a great point that the stop and start high school soccer clock is weird. College soccer also uses a clock that the ref can pause and the clock counts down to zero instead of up to 90 minutes. 
Also, college soccer allows way more substitutions and even uh, lets sub players come back in. In Europe, kids in the U17 and U21 programs or clubs play with normal soccer rules. Do you think that there uh, that the different rules for high school and college soccer here in America puts us at a development uh, d- development disadvantage? Also, what are your thoughts on allowing more substitutes? So, Kantig, I have a different take on this one in that, um, I mean, my daughter was on uh, was in the Development Academy and um, just I mean, last year, I think last season it was, or was it the year before? It's, it's, it, time flies by. Anyway, just recently, my daughter played in, in DA, Development Academy, uh, Youth Soccer, I think U15. And um, there... The rules are FIFA rules. So you get subbed out. You can't go back in. Um, it's structured to be very much like the professional game. Everything is uh, treated very professionally. And at that age, it's still a development kind of status or stage in the growth of, of a player. And to me, that has a detrimental uh, impact in having the rules be too uh, tight and, and kind of too um, strict um, I would, I mean, I prefer whether it's travel soccer or rec soccer or, or high school soccer, being able to sub in, sub out. I mean, depending, depending on the league and the rules that you're playing under. But I like that in terms of, you I mean, especially playing in the heat in the United States and sometimes the cold weather in the US, having that flexibility to be able to do that. Um, a little bit different when, in Europe in terms of the, the temperatures and not so much of a, a contrast. Um, but to me, to me, I, I don't think it, it hurts the uh, development um, in the United States of players. Uh, college is different, though. I mean, college at that point, um, a lot of the players at that level, that age, uh, if they were in Europe or elsewhere, would be playing professional soccer for their local team. Um, and those rules, I, I, I don't agree with in terms of the, the flexibility and, and changes there. I, I think at that stage, it hurts. What you, what's your take, Kartik? Do you do, agree or disagree or have any additional thoughts on this one? It's it's a tricky one because I think uh, I, I, I think that um, we we've we've thought and Bruce Arena was big on this uh, in the early days of MLS. I know there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who hate MLS and think Bruce Arena's the epitome of American soccer dinosaur and. Uh, Absolutely not. In fact, if, if it wasn't for Bruce Arena, there's a good chance Bruce Arena and Kevin Payne. There's a good chance uh, they, we would have all these strange clock rules and substitution rules, and and uh, 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 who knows, even bigger goals and, and 35 yard lines and all these strange things that didn't correspond with the international game. Bruce Arena was a big believer that MLS's rules had to um, mimic the international rules for development purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had come from the college game. He had come from UVA, and at the time he was the coach of UVA, he had also coached the U.S. in the Olympics and saw that there was a problem there. That's where he, he drew his conclusion from, from coaching the college game and then taking a lot of those college players to the Olympics. This was before his first stint as men's national team coach. This was before MLS existed. Um, so he and Kevin Payne, who was his general manager, who was president, was the, 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 the big gun in, in D.C., um, there were the two, two, and DC was the preeminent team in those days in MLS. Really pushed the issue when guys like Kraft and Hunt and Anschutz were in the room and saying, "Hey, we got to make this kind of American and popular." So there is a school of thought led by Bruce Arena and guys like that, Bob Bradley, I'm sure, is in that camp. That hey, we were put at a development disadvantage. But Bob Bradley had also 
of course, coached in the college game before uh, MLS began. Um, we were at a, a disadvantage developmentally uh, to, uh, to to compete in, in the international game because the uh, the rules were different. Now, I think the real issue, um, and Jonathan Tannenwald has done some great reporting on this, um, the real issue may be the, 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 the fact that the college game just is, is three months and that right. there are some coaches who want, and this is also becoming important, especially important in the women's game, because um, what we're seeing is, is more and more development paths coming through Europe. And, and part of the thing that made the American college game so preeminent was that uh, the top players from, the, from England and France, they would all go to college in the U.S. They're not anymore. Um, but uh, as Tannenwald's been reporting in the last, uh, last two weeks, that um, there is a move afoot to push the NCAA to make it a full year or, or, or two semesters. So it would be basically August to May college soccer season. Now, of course, there would not be any more games. What would happen is they declutter the midweek games and have all these breaks because, of course, the NCAA will always say, oh, we can't have a long season because of academics. Uh, yet um, the academics never seem to matter when uh, when mm -hmm. making money is in the way for the NCAA, right? They they always would say, "Hey, we can't we can't have a, a proper college football playoff because of academics." But um, they, they they the reality is they're all making money hand over fist with the bowl system. But anyway, the point being, I think we've gone from. The, the, the arena point of view, which was our rules have to be exactly the same as the international game, which is what he pushed in MLS. And eventually MLS changed all its rules. Remember, MLS had strange clock rules at first. MLS allowed a fourth substitution of a game, although now that's a FIFA rule. But uh, MLS initially, when they did have extra time uh, and they had a shootout, they did allow a fourth substitution. Uh, they would allow a special substitution for goalkeepers, which is something I still kind of like, actually. I have to be honest with you, because I think goalkeepers are a very specialized position if a goalkeeper gets hurt, you have to use a substitution. You don't have the the ability to kind of uh, swap on the fly or if a goalkeeper gets sent off. Um, but uh, I think we've gone from that um, concern that the, 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 the substitution and clock rules are holding us back to now saying, you know what it is? It's that college soccer and high school soccer aren't organized properly and they're not serious enough and they don't play long enough. That's really the problem. It's not the clock rules. It's not the substitution rules. Yeah, the one thing though too about high school soccer is that um, in theory it lasts like what, um, like three months, but in practice it actually lasts a lot longer that, than that too. Because once you go into, you mean district tournaments and regional tournaments, I mean depending on on your team, uh, it can actually drag on for quite a bit longer than that. But but college soccer, yeah, is is, is just way too short in terms of uh, at that age. Um, I mean, the endurance, the stamina, every, everything that that individual should be doing um, should be at a, at a high level. I mean, yes, they've got uh, education at the same time. But uh, but going back to um, Aram's question about substitutes, um, to me, uh, at the college age, um, you, there shouldn't be lots of subs going in and out. I mean, to me, that's kind of, at, again, at the adult age, really. But, but um, I mean, everything from, I mean, uh, up to probably the age of eighteen, um, this should be uh, this should allow for for a lot of substitutes in and out. Um, by the time they're eighteen, I think at that at that stage, then it's it should be treated more professionally and and more like the uh, the FIFA game, not the video game, but uh, the, ga the game the game yeah, according yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. FIFA rules, right? 
All right. Well, a uh, great question there from Aram and also, of course, from Richie and, and Leonid. Uh, if you have any questions or any feedback or have questions about t- TV production or um, where to watch your favorite uh, team or league uh, or streaming questions, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com uh, as well as uh, Facebook doc, doc, pardon me, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And Kartik, uh, where can they catch you if they want to catch you on social media to uh, see what you're uh, ranting and raving about uh, before the next pod? Yeah, KKFLA737 on Twitter is uh, the surefire way to find me. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And Kartik, heading into another weekend of football... Um, We've got the Bundesliga, of course. Uh, the Premier League race seems to be practically over. Um, a lot less interest in that. But, uh, I mean, what should they do? Enjoy your football. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 